friends, welcome back. I would like to take a moment and talk about Sandra. We're about to meet her in the book. She is my personal acupuncturist. She's also a friend and a colleague, a Chinese doctor, and she has a practice out of one of our yoga schools. Um, she's also a writer, and she has a very good way of directing questions at me. So the way the whole book came about was she and I were having discussions about the process I was going through, and she could really direct me to the heart of it with uh, some sharp questioning. So that's the documentation, our, our conversations, our meetings, our discussions about uh, what's going on. So I will start now with the next chapter. Why are you here? The opening quote, I shall no longer be instructed by the Yoga Veda or the Aharva Veda or the ascetics or any other doctrine whatsoever. I shall learn from myself, be a pupil of myself. I shall get to know myself, the mystery of Siddhartha. He looked around as if he was seeing the world for the first time. Herman Hess, Siddhartha. I chose this quote to be included in the book because it is shocking what happens to your eyes when this process begins. So to look around as if you're seeing the world for the first time is very fitting. And also, the only person who can take you there is yourself. So now, Sandra and I sit down to a light lunch in the lounge at the studio to discuss what it means to be truly awake. She's our resident acupuncturist, also my own, and it recently came up in one of our sessions. We discuss many things as I lie on her treatment table covered in needles. That day I was telling her about experiences I've had in my awakening process and how I use those experiences in my work with my students. The first question I always ask them is, why are you here? So, Sandra says between mouthfuls of her sandwich, if we go back to the idea of writing a book, I'd probably start by asking you that very question. Why are you here today, she asks. Me, myself, I say? Yes, you, yourself. I think for a moment. In what sense, my false self or my true self? Both, she laughs. The whole orange. I want the whole story. We'll come back to oranges later. Right now, I'm thinking about who's sitting here answering her questions and why. The false self is here as a yoga teacher, I say, but also as a sort of awakening person who has this desire to share the process with other people because it was nothing like I ever imagined it would be. Nothing in all the books I had read, all the yoga I had practiced, and all the studying I had done over my entire life prepared me for the process as it happened. So what do you imagine? What were you thinking it would be like? She asks. Well, you know, the usual. You think it's like bliss, nirvana, the sort of stereotypical ideas that usually count as enlightenment. Let me give you an example. About 15 years ago, I was doing an advanced teacher training course in the mountains in Northern California. We were studying the Upanishads and the Vedas, the ancient philosophical text of Hinduism, and the philosophy was having a profound effect on how I was thinking about yoga as a whole. After a day of particularly intense study, I found myself under a large oak tree near the forest that had a swing attached to one of the lower branches. I sat myself down to watch the sunset, and while I was there, gently swinging back and forth, absorbing the day's content, I had a moment of total understanding total union with the world and all things around me. In that instant, everything made sense, and with this understanding came a calmness, a silence in my mind, and an openness in my heart. 
It was as if my heart was on fire, as if it had turned into a massive ball of energy that was opening up and connecting with the universe around me. I, as a separate individual, began to dissolve, and as I did, I understood the concept of union, at least how it had been taught to me, for the first time. As if in celebration of that realization, a small herd of eight deer came out of the woods and grazed around me until darkness settled. Now, that's exactly how it happened, and that was also one of my first truly profound uh, realizations or understandings. It really was that sort of magical and that quiet. Now, back to the book. I thought I had arrived, that this was enlightenment, but that moment was fleeting, and though it was magical and mystical, it was not enlightenment. Enlightenment is painful and permanent. This was a beautiful and, yes, it was something, but enlightenment, it was not. Connection is certainly a part of enlightenment, but it's only a small part because once you wake up, you don't actually care about all the things that concerned you so much before, and that's completely liberating. But the point is, I want people to understand that nothing they do can really prepare them for where they're going on this path, and if they keep looking outside of themselves for the answer, they'll never find it. Sandra glances at the mini books stacked atop shelves in the studio with an eyebrow raised. I continue. Of course I've read plenty of spiritual books. I've studied many religions. I've done yoga for over 20 years, and I've practiced with many teachers, but very few who I think were truly awake or enlightened. The thing that helped me really progress was when I stopped reading books and I stopped looking for new teachers. It was the moment I looked inside and I started using my own thought, process to tear, my own thought processes sorry, to tear apart what I believed was true and what I believed was not. Sandra's still looking wistfully at the books. She's not convinced by my argument. And what made you stop looking outside, she asks. What was the process of actually stopping because you were actively searching and then suddenly you stopped? Why? I try to remember. There were steps along the way. It's like I would get excited by one thing and then realize it was giving me nothing back. Like I had exhausted that particular avenue of information. I'd read the Bhagavad Gita and I felt like, okay, that's a nice story. I got the fundamental baseline, the point they were trying to make. It made sense rationally, but it didn't have an effect on my consciousness or my awareness. Not at all. I understood the principle of the story and what I was supposed to take from it was clear. But reading the book didn't make it happen. Does that make sense, I ask? She frowns. The book showed you what to expect, but didn't help make it happen, she asks. Didn't make it happen at all. It was just a nice story with a nice message, showing me what was possible. But it didn't give a roadmap on how to get there. The book was like a window then, she says, to see where you might like to go. But it gave no instructions on how to open the window or crawl out. Exactly, I say. So you started with yoga. Was that your first step in wanting to know what was out there? I laugh. No, my first step was in a totally different direction. I was raised in a divorced family. One side was Protestant and the other side was Catholic. One weekend I was Protestant and the next weekend, yeah, I was Catholic again. Back and forth from parent to parent, from one church to another. Of course it makes you ask questions because you're seeing two completely different religions that are based on the same text from the Bible. And that makes you question the value of said text. How can a text be so heavily interpreted that one version of it contradicts another? So I started to ask questions because I wanted to know the truth. I was very young, and the church members in both churches couldn't answer my questions. When I saw one thing at one church that contradicted something from the other, I would be vocal about it. And when they couldn't answer me, I thought, 
If you can't answer the questions of a child, I can't trust you. I can't take you seriously. After that, I spoke to my mother, and I told her that going to church wasn't bringing me anything, so I wanted out. Luckily, she allowed me to stop. But I continued to explore the Bible because at the time, it was all I knew about spirituality. So I read the whole thing, twice. And there, too, I thought, good story. I didn't see how it could have created all this religious chaos in the world because the interpretations were so varied. That's when I remembered thinking for the first time that this book isn't real. The purpose of this story, whether it was intended to be a awakening process or not, wasn't working. At least not anymore. After that, I started exploring other things, like nature-based religions, druidism, wicca, paganism, witchcraft. I wanted to focus on ideas based on the earth and the elements. You know, it seemed more practical. The natural world, Sandra says. Yes, exactly. Something that you could put your hands on. But of course, that's not real either. But I still wanted something that was tangible. You know what I mean? I went on to discover all of this voodoo stuff from my grandma, too. She was a witch in Louisiana and believed in these things. And again, I thought I was touching something real, that I had learned something, but my awareness of my consciousness didn't actually change. I thought, okay, that's not what I wanted either. Sure, you can connect to the elements, the earth, and the seasons, but that's still all a construct, too. It's a kind of reality we've agreed on. Here we go again with Maya. I still had questions, so I shifted to Eastern philosophy. Same story. I wanted something to change my perspective of reality and give me some truth. But it didn't. Sandra's looking puzzled. Again. There must have been a gauge that you were using for the truth, she says. Something specific you were seeking, because it wasn't only an intellectual understanding. And it wasn't about connecting to a larger force in yourself, because you would have gotten that with nature, the sun, or the moon. Do you think? I ask. In my mind, a connection to nature, the sun, and the moon are all still only constructs of Maya. I always felt there had to be something bigger than that. What do you think you were searching for? Sandra asks. You say now, as an adult, that it didn't change your perception or awareness, but as a child, as a younger person, you must have been driven by something more than wanting to change your awareness. It must have been something you were hungry for or thirsty for that you wanted to touch or wanted to know or even needed to know because otherwise you would have gotten distracted. I think the answer that most people want when they are seekers or are on a personal spiritual quest is the very basic why, I say. Why, Sandra repeats. <clears throat> why are you here, I chuckled. We had previously played with that as the title for the book, and it's still relevant. She smiles. There we go. Was that your first question? Why am I here? Or why did something happen? I never questioned why things happened, I said. I always accepted that things just happen. Not like when you go through puberty and think, why me, why me? It wasn't that. It was bigger than that. It was more. So what's the fucking point, I say? And what was the point? Was it the search for meaning itself? Or finding something that meant something for you, she asks? I suppose I was searching for some sort of meaning to existence, I thought. Okay, we're here, this is cool, but what's actually going on? So you had an innate sense that there was something else going on that was separate from what you experienced, she says? I always had the feeling that something was going on that I didn't understand. I'm very inquisitive, though. Everything I do, I question. Why is it like this? What makes this work? A hands-on approach to metaphysics, in fact. I laughed. <clears throat> if you could put your hands on those sorts of things, I guess. 
So if we go back to my original question, why are you here? You chose to answer it from your false self as the yoga teacher looking for meaning. Yes, that person is always looking for that answer, I say. But what about your true self, she says. What is your true self, and what is he, she, it doing sitting here answering my questions? The true self doesn't care one way or another because the true self isn't attached to those concepts or ideas, I say. The true self is basically your small portion of Brahman. This is where talking about the Hindu concepts of Brahman, Atman, and Maya are relevant. We discussed those in the previous episode. Brahman is consciousness. Atman is your piece of awareness of Brahman. And Maya, again, is the illusory world. In this case... Brahman would be consciousness. Consciousness as we know it is the only thing that's real. It's the only thing that exists. Atman is your piece of consciousness, the bit of consciousness that makes you who you are, and it's temporary because your physical body is here, and the consciousness you experience everything through while being in this body is Atman. Atman is only a small piece of Brahman. Basically, we're here for the education and entertainment of Brahman. It's all the same. Education, Sandra asked, as in educating yourself. Not in the sense of you actually learning something, I say, but for the sake of consciousness in general. We're all experiencing something completely different. Every single person's life is completely different from that of another. But all that experience, all that consciousness goes back to the same source. It's all an experience for Brahman. And Maya, she asks. Maya would be everything else. Sandra looks puzzled. Okay, she says. That's a bit much for the first chapter, though. (laughs) And I stopped. We took a little break. That's the end of the first chapter. Um, I also took a little break in the book. And there's a little joke just for pause. Because it's nice to have a moment to just digest, to let these concepts settle in, just to sort of wrap your reign around it and see what sort of impact it has on you. So you can do that now. But first, I'm going to tell you this little joke. So, you walk into a bar with Brahman and Maya. The barman asks, what will it be? Barman reply, Brahman sorry, replies, I'm good, I'm everything. You say, I'll have what he's having. Maya just laughs, uh, no, no you won't. And that is the end of this chapter. So, I'm going to take another little break now.